Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church, and it is wonderful to see you. It is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So how was Thanksgiving? Everybody get plenty to eat? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. What was your favorite thing to eat? Ham. Yeah, Stephen Ham says ham. Is that a joke, man? Yeah, there, there you go. We spent Thanksgiving in Columbia, uh, I'm sorry, Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, where fall, autumn leaves are beautiful. We spent time with Casey's folks and we never ever get to see, we never live in the same state as they do. So it was a really, really good time for us. But I am most blessed to be back with you all today in the cafe. God bless you guys. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday. Let's begin to turn the corner together. It's kind of a Sunday in between Thanksgiving and when we'll start full-blown Christmas here as a church. But let's focus our attention on missions today. And I Isaiah chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles, if you would. Isaiah chapter 2. While you're turning, can we just talk about the strange fact that they make contact lenses for chickens now? Contact lenses for chickens. Have we run out of things to do with ourselves? Contact lenses for chicken. I don't make this stuff up, you guys. They're making contact lenses for chickens because the people who were making eyeglasses for chickens found out that chickens don't like to wear eyeglasses. Seriously, they don't even have ears. I don't even know how how that would work. Seriously, guys, that's what they do. It started out because they, those who raise chickens in the big you know, chicken farms with giant chicken ranches, they discovered that chickens with, with cataracts, chickens with bad vision were better behaved. They were less aggressive. They ate less. They laid more eggs. They just sort of stayed right there. That They didn't cause any problems. And so the idea was to distort their vision to give all of the chickens bad vision. So it's actually becoming a very common thing. They will put contact lenses in the eyeballs of chickens so that the chicken's behavior can be controlled. You're distorting their vision. Basically what they're doing is is making it so that the chickens are very, very short-sighted. They really can't see anything other than just the grain that they need to eat on the ground. They, They can't see one another. And so therefore they just sort of forget that there's a world outside the coop. You with me? And I started thinking how much we are like those chickens with the contact lenses. You understand? Our vision is distorted. Somehow as God's people, somehow as the church, we have forgotten that there's a world outside the coop. You understand? We've forgotten that. But Advent, but this mission's time for our church gives us an opportunity to rediscover the world outside the doors of this church, to to gain a a longer view, a a longer vision. I've been talking about vision for weeks and weeks and weeks. I thought I was done, but I'm not. Isaiah chapter 2 this morning. And it turns out that the prophet Isaiah has a vision from the Lord. It's really interesting. It says this is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. But literally what it says, is this is a word, this is a word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Let's start right there. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. 
They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I said that we're like those chickens. Our, our vision's been distorted. We, we're very short-sighted. We, we, we no longer see the world. And that's why Isaiah receives this prophecy. This is one of those Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, what, what the coming Messiah will do. But, but the, the, the word that comes to Isaiah, it, it is said this is a, a word that Isaiah saw. Now, the New Living Translation goes right on ahead and translates that as vision. It's a vision that he saw because everybody knows you can't see a word. But what the scripture says is that this is the word that Isaiah saw. So when God communicates his message to Isaiah, it has to do with his vision. Remember, I've been telling you for weeks now, one of the first things that God wants to do in your life is teach you how to see. He has to teach us how to see. He has to give us new eyes. He has to give us his vision. Let me remind you what we've been saying. God's vision is a revelation of what is possible when God's ultimate power meets our total obedience. So this is a vision that Isaiah the prophet receives, and it is the message from God. Now, remember, whenever we receive God's revelation of what is possible, it's always going to have to do with his power and our obedience. In other words, when we see what God sees, when we catch God's vision, it automatically means we're going to share in his work. When you begin to see what God sees, then you enter into what God is doing in the world. So according to this vision, what is God doing in the world? What in the world is God doing? In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Again, it's a vision now. It'll be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. So what is God doing? Well, I've already said, God is making everything and everybody new. That's what God is doing. That is God's grand vision. But in this vision that Isaiah receives, it, it's, it's sort of a, a, a different way of seeing what God sees. It's not just that God is making everything and everyone new, but God is pouring out his grace upon the nations. This particular vision that Isaiah sees is this picture of God reaching all of the people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and drawing them to himself. That's what God is doing in the world. He's not just concerned with people like you and me. He's not just working in the United States, although, Lord, please go to work in the United States. He's not just working in our community, although Lord knows there's a lot of work to do in our community. God is concerned with every nation. God is concerned with every people. God's love is poured out upon the whole world. Now, it's a beautiful picture of what God is doing in the world. God is drawing all the nations to himself, and God is training the nations so that they will no longer fight wars, no longer be aggressive, and and no longer be caught in, in conflict. We will come into a time of peace. It's a kingdom of peace. It's good news of the gospel of peace. So how's God gonna do that? What's his plan? 
Well, like I said, this is a promise of the coming Messiah. This is what Jesus himself is going to do. Jesus himself is going to have the government upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Prince of Peace. This is what Isaiah the prophet says. This is the promise. This is what Jesus will do. Jesus is going to bring God's kingdom to earth just as it is in heaven. Jesus himself is going to bring peace so that the nations no longer train for war anymore, so that everyone just streams to God's house to worship. You understand? This is the kingdom. This is the vision. This is the promise of the coming Messiah. But did Jesus do all of that? Jesus is the king. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that Jesus is the king, but did he accomplish all of this? If it's a promise of the coming Messiah, did Jesus bring the kingdom of heaven to earth just like it is in heaven? Did Jesus bring peace to the world? The the, the coming prince of peace, did he bring peace? You watching the same news I'm watching? It's not, not done yet. This prophecy's not fulfilled yet. Even the promises that the Messiah would bring these things Did Jesus manage to bring these things? Did something go wrong? Now, what did Jesus say? When Jesus would preach, Jesus would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is near, that the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is coming. Jesus would proclaim that the kingdom of heaven was right at the door. It was close. Jesus would say that. And then sometimes Jesus would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is among you. It's already here. Jesus would say that sometimes, that the kingdom of heaven is is among you. And sometimes Jesus would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is within you. So how is it all of these things? How is the kingdom of heaven somehow here and yet still coming? In a couple of weeks, we will celebrate the inauguration of a new president. What's the word inauguration mean? It means beginning. It's the beginning of his reign. It's the beginning of his office. And and what we can say with Jesus is that Jesus brings the inauguration of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. It's still coming, but but, but it's begun. It's breaking in. I guess we have to define what, what we mean by that phrase, kingdom of God. Where do you find the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God located? Is it this city that will drop out of heaven like a UFO and land somewhere? And then we can say that the kingdom has come? Is it just this worldwide fantasy of peace and love and kindness and dogs and cats sleeping together? I mean, is this what we have coming? I mean, sometimes this perfect world. What exactly do we mean by kingdom of God? Very simply, I would say this, the kingdom of God is found wherever Christ reigns on the throne. Understand? Wherever you have a a kingdom, you got to have a king. Someone who is reigning. And the kingdom of God is the promise that God himself is on the throne. So recognize the kingdom of God exists everywhere and wherever you find Christ reigning on the throne. So that's why we can say that, that with Jesus, the kingdom of God breaks in. With Jesus, the good news is preached and the good news begins to spread. The good news that God has, has sent his son to be the savior of the world, that, that, that now we as human beings who are fallen sinners can be re- reconciled, reunited with God the Father. It's, it's the gospel, it's the good news. 
And for every heart that prepares him room, understand Jesus comes and and occupies the throne of, of your life, of my life. And as that continues to spread, the kingdom of God spreads wherever Christ reigns on the throne. So it's come, but it's still coming. Do you see that? It's still coming. It's still breaking in into every heart, into every family, into every town where Christ is allowed to sit on the throne, where Christ reigns. Christ is meant to reign on the throne of your heart. Christ is meant to reign on the throne of this world, and he's breaking in. It's spreading. The gospel is moving across the world. So understand, the promise is that this is the work of the Messiah, but, but it's not just the Messiah's work. Remember what we've been saying for weeks and weeks? Whenever you see God's vision, whenever you understand God's purpose, that's not just for your entertainment or for your information. When you begin to see what God sees, that's an invitation to enter into the work that God is doing. What does Isaiah see? What does Isaiah say? He will teach us his paths and then we will walk in his ways. He will teach us, and then we will walk in his ways. We will walk in the light of the Lord. So once Jesus takes over the throne of your life, then understand that that means you're now a part of this. You're a part of this kingdom that's breaking in. You're a part of what God is doing to draw all the nations to himself. This now means you. This is your work. So understand, God is drawing the nations to himself through Christ, and his primary means of doing this is through the church, through you and me. This is what God is doing. He's doing it through Christ, the Messiah, but now he's doing it through all of us who know Christ, the ones in in, in whose heart Christ reigns. He's drawing all the nations to himself, and he's doing that through us, through the church. That's our job. That's our mission. You're a part of this. Maybe in the old days, it was really, really hard to imagine yourself being a part of the great mission of, of God in the world. It was probably hard because people, people didn't travel much. The travel was difficult, next to impossible. It was hard to know, even to know about other people groups around the world, much less to reach them, to, to somehow make an, an impact in their lives. It was very, very difficult. But it's not so difficult now. We live in an amazing day and time to be a part of the mission of God. We have tremendous capabilities to make a real difference. We have the ability to be on the other side of the world by supper tonight if we chose to. We have the capability through technology to to reach, to share in ways we never could before, in ways our own parents could not have imagined. This is our job. It's our mission. And you're a part of this. It's not even just like the old days when when in missions emphasis at churches, we would just sort of have a a Brazilian day and we'll all dress like Brazilians and we'll eat Brazilian food in the fellowship hall. That's how I grew up. You just sort of learned about other countries, but you never ever really imagined you'd go there or never really imagined that you'd meet somebody from there. But the world has changed. The world is very different. Do you understand? Warren County is different. So many people from the nation streaming into Warren County. I don't even understand. How do they even find out about Warren County? Some of us have lived here forever. We don't know a whole lot about Warren County. 
What's drawing the nations to, to Warren County? Why are they coming here? The, the, the Burmese, why are they coming here? The, the Somalians, why? So many Hispanics, so many Hondurans. It's amazing, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. All of the Bosnians in Warren County now. How? Why? You know, one of the staggering facts about the internationals now that pour into the United States, one of the things you need to understand, most of them say that they don't know any Christians personally. Interesting. The majority of them who live in the United States will say that they don't really know any Christians personally. How can that be? They're our neighbors. Subdivision right up the road is now primarily Bosnian. How can we not know them? How can they say that they don't know us? Why is it that our churches don't reflect this incredible diversity that is now reality in our communities? Why is it that they say they don't know a Christian personally? They're our neighbors. It's a horrible, horrible indictment for those of us who are supposedly walking in the light of the Lord who is trying to draw all peoples to himself. We're not exactly learning his ways so as to walk in his paths, are we? It's one thing to say that we share this mission. It's one thing to take up an offering for missions, which we're going to do in two weeks in a big way. But understand, this mission is not somebody else's mission. This is your mission. It's my mission. And it's very, very important that we develop God's heart for the world, God's vision to see the world. But understand, you don't have to look very far anymore. You're going to see the world when you go to the mall Christmas shopping this week. The world is here. But we don't see them. The world is here, but we don't love them. The world is here, and it needs the gospel, but we're not sharing it. There's something profoundly broken in our hearts when we do not see and do not share the vision and the mission of God himself. There's something profoundly wrong. The scripture says that we will learn his ways and walk in his paths. We'll learn, and then we walk. So in other words, if we're not living it, we haven't learned it. The way I figure it, actually, there are only two roles to fill in this mission. We're either goers or we're senders. Either we're active goers or, or, or we're passionate senders. We're probably both. Probably we have to be both, but, but it is not an option for you to be neither. Just bystander is not an option. You're not just going to sit this out and let other people carry the gospel to the nations. Either you're a part of this or, or, or you're not. But I'm telling you, if you're a part of God's kingdom, that this is your mission, that this is the purpose for your life. In two weeks, we'll be collecting our gift for Jesus to the world. It's our missions offering. This isn't about just raising money. This is about sending missionaries into the world. And that is our responsibility. And $50,000 sounds like an impossible amount of money to me. Tony Campolo tells a story about the day that he went to a, a wealthy Philadelphia church to, to, to speak for a ladies' missions group. It was a daytime event. He arrived, the only man in the room. The, the lady who was leading the group was very finely dressed. This was a, a missions, kind of a missions tea, y'all know? 
And so all the ladies were, were dressed nicely, and it's one of those things where you get a, you know, itty-bitty plate with, you know, itty-bitty cookies, you know, like you starve to death eating, you know, itty-bitty cookies and little cups, and, and you sort of balance, you know, your teacup and your plate uh, on your knee, and, and they talk quietly and all of that. So into the little bitty tea, uh, Dr. Campolo was asked to come and speak. The lady introduced him. And uh, as she was introducing me, she said, well, before I introduce Dr. Campola, let, let me just make an announcement. You know, just this morning, I've learned that one of our missionaries in, in Venezuela, who is a doctor, has a need for $5,000 to add an addition to her clinic. She's not able to take care of all of the sick and poor that come to her. And so she's in need of $5,000. So Dr. Campolo, as you come, would you lead us in prayer and just ask that God would provide the need for that dear missionary doctor. She needs $5,000. Would you lead us in prayer and then, and then bring the message? <laughs> Dr. Campolo said, actually, no, I will not. So I'm not going to lead in prayer for $5,000. What I will do is take up an offering. Okay, he just killed this tea right here. Y'all know this? I mean, he just killed this whole missionary tea. He said, I'll take up an offering. Here's what I propose. He said, I'll just take up my wallet and I'll take out all my cash. Let's just all give the cash that we're carrying. No checks, no credit cards. Let's just give our cash. Whatever cash is in my pocket, I'll just give it right here. And then let's all give all the cash in our pockets. And when we're finished, we'll count that. And then we'll pray and ask that God provides the rest. But let's just start with the money in our wallets. So then he reached back and... Pulled out his wallet, hit $2. $2. But he took his $2 out and said, here he goes. You know, I'll put my money right here on the altar. Now, who's next? Well, it was really quiet and awkward. And then the lady who had just introduced him, the lady who was kind of in charge, she sort of looked at him, and then she sort of laughed like, <laughs> she said, oh, oh, Dr. Campolo, I think we've all gotten the point. Now, lead us in prayer. He said, no, I don't think you've gotten the point. I put my $2 on the altar. Now you put your money on the altar too. You go next. And the lady just looks at him really angry. And then she goes in, she gets her purse and she opens it. She reaches in. She has like $200. She puts $200, which brings it up now to $202 on the altar. He said, thank you. That's good. Now, now who's next? And they waited as one by one, those women would reach into their purses and come up and put their money on the altar. These women looked bitter. These women looked angry. I mean, you just killed the Christmas spirit. It took forever to collect that offering, but when they were finished, they counted it. Over $8,000. Over $8,000. And then Dr. Campolo gently said to the women, the audacity of asking God to provide $5,000 when he's already given over $8,000 to you. The audacity. I guess deep down we're all hoping that this worldwide mission happens in such a way where we don't have to sacrifice anything. Let other people give. Let other people go. For that matter, let other people pray. Just let us continue on with our lives as if. The audacity of asking others to do what God has asked you to do. The audacity. 
Though I figure there are only two roles to play in this. Either we're going to be active goers. It doesn't necessarily mean you hop on an airplane. You may, and you probably should at least once. But I'm telling you, your whole life is lived on mission. When, when you go to, to the grocery, when, when you go out into the public square in Warren County now, you're going to meet the nations. You're going to see people. Why can't you talk to them? Why can't you make it so that there's not a single international in Warren County that says they don't know a Christian up close? Why can't you be that Christian? Can't you invite somebody to your house for Christmas dinner? Why can't you do that? Why can't you come out of your house and go meet your neighbors? Why can't you do that? Why can't you go volunteer at the International Center? Why can't you recognize that the world is streaming, streaming into our community, and we're not reaching them for the gospel? It's not so much about going. They're coming to us now. Why can't we even open our mouths? Bottom line is we just can't ask God to do for us what he wants us to do for him. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that the first Bible verse you ever learned? God loves the world. And what he's doing is drawing the world to himself. He's doing it through Christ, but then now he's doing it through us as well. All of us who know Christ, this is our mission. This is our job to to go, to send, And to send often means to give our money so that others can go. Everything costs money. Our our mission's goal is huge, $50,000. I don't know how big that sounds to you, but that sounds like a lot of money to me. But if you're asking, Brother Tim, where's this church going to find $50,000? I think I know. It's in our pockets. Give. Jesus was about to ascend to the Father. He was with his followers on earth there that very last time. Do you remember the last five words he spoke? Last five words Jesus spoke to his followers, you remember? To the ends of the earth. He was speaking to you and me, understand? To the ends of the earth. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, it it used to be that you had to go. You would have to get on an airplane and fly for hours to meet a person from Burma. It it would be a a year's salary and a a great sacrifice to go meet a person from Zimbabwe, Angola. And yet, yet, Lord, these people are now our neighbors, our, our, our Community is changing, but our churches aren't reflecting that. Communities now in, in, our, in our neighborhood, Lord, are, are in some cases majority international, Lord, but none of our churches are majority international, Lord. So many Bosnians have moved into Warren County in the last few years, but they're not moving into our churches. Woodburn Baptist says it's a church that welcomes and loves everyone, but not everybody's here. Something wrong. Lord. We have claimed that we have learned your ways, Lord, but we are not walking in your paths. We have claimed that we have seen your light, Lord, but we are not shining it. It raises the question of whether or not your light has shone in us. 
Help us. Lord, we know that there is a world to reach, the world that you love. We know that the world is much too large, much too small for anything but the gospel. But Lord, for the most part, we just choose to live our lives as if the world can go to hell. Help us. Help us, Lord, to see your vision for the world, to understand that your vision is our purpose, to meet your unlimited power with our total obedience, to go, to sin, to pray, to go, to give. Until, Lord, all of the nations are standing before you in one united family of God through Christ. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our eyes to see the world, to love the world, to tell the world of the Savior, whose name is Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.